0: Hey everyone, this is Mike Dunn.
1: I'm Julie Cook. I'm Janine Dunn.
0: I'm Matt Downing. And you are listening to Rethinking EDU. Thanks for joining us. We haven't actually been on a non uh, dissertation in practice episode in a little while. And uh, I don't know about you co-hosts, but I'm a little like, man, I forgot about other things that are not dissertations in practice and research, you know? And so I'm I'm feeling pretty great about being here with tonight's guest. Um, We're hanging out with Matt and Jeff, who are the co-founders of a company called Zello, and uh, they're doing some really, really cool stuff. Um, You know, Zello is an engaging online platform to help K-12 students plan for college, career, and future success um it's i've been like sort of just perusing their website i haven't gotten the insiders look yet maybe one day i will um get the back end peek but um zello has you know something like 20,000 clients and they engage with millions literally millions of students and we're here to talk with them about their product but also just about college and career readiness and about helping students uh you know explore their passions and their interests and also what it's been like to grow their, their product and uh, particularly in our sort of like tech saturated environment of today. So Jeff and Matt, thanks so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. Um, Matt, let's start with you. How, uh, can you can you give us a little background on yourself, you know, share a little info that maybe I didn't cover in my next to nothing brief <laughs> bio of you?
2: Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. And, and thanks for having Jeff and I. We're really excited to be here with you guys and um, really excited for the conversation. Um, talk a little bit about Zalo, and, um, you know, I, I think from what I've learned about the, you folks, I think you've got actually direct experience in that the area that uh, Jeff and I have really dedicated our careers to. Um, So a a little bit about that, um, and Jeff can tell the story of how we came to to build Zello. Um, But what we do is trying to help students, um, all students, all pathways, all backgrounds, build a successful future for themselves. And um, really what that means is trying to help, um, you know, 13, 14, 15 year olds plan for a future that You know, might be eight years out um, at a time when they're changing dramatically, um, when the economy is changing dramatically and you're trying to help them plan and plot a path forward. Uh, And you can you can just sort of appreciate the difficulty of that problem um, in terms of the complexity involved and then just trying to take it down to a human level. You're trying to ask someone who's just trying to figure out their place in the world. to to make this plan that's so far out, um, it's it's really interesting. And we have a lot of empathy for the students that are trying to do that and also a ton of respect and um, admiration for the people that are trying to help them, the educators, the counselors and the parents. Uh, It's it's what Google calls a wicked problem, capital W, um, because there's no right answer and there are many, many alternative um, options. So I, I find it really interesting, and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to continuing this journey uh, to try and make things better for students. So that's a little bit about the background of, of what we're doing and why.
0: That's awesome, Matt. Thanks for sharing. And so, Jeff, you're here with us too as the president and co-founder of Zello. And Jeff, I see um, that you have a have a degree in economics and. Much like many of my students who study economics, they're, they are left afterwards like wondering, and this it sounds like this is true for you, Matt, too, wondering, what do I do with my degree in economics, right? And I, I sort of felt that pain myself. I graduated with a degree in history, and I had a whole lot of skills and ones that I really rely on even to this very day. But I wondered afterwards, okay, I studied something I love. I've got a really great skill set, but like, what do I do with this thing that I got? Tell us about that, Jeff. Yeah,
3: hundred percent. Uh, that is exactly right. And yeah, pleasure to be with you guys today and and always love to chat career development that, that is exactly what my situation was like. And it's nice to know I, I wasn't alone. Um, and it doesn't feel great when, as you say, all the skills that you have, let's say as a, as a history student, now you wonder what you do with those skills and, 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 um, how are you going to make a living off that and and you know are you ever going to use those skills again so it's a it's a difficult thing for for students to come to terms with and so it was that experience it really ignited a passion for career development and you know trying to help myself figure through that problem and of course realizing that it wasn't just me that there were lots of people in that same situation and um so Matt and I were friends at that time and thinking about what you know what could we do as a business we were interested in technology and you know this is the idea that came out of it is just trying to create a program that would make it really fun interesting and engaging for students to figure out their future and we've been so lucky that it caught on and we've had a chance to you know make a career out of it and and one of the most rewarding things really is just being able to work with amazing educators who who serve the students um, so it's just, it's just been a great field for us to, to stay involved in. And there's no, there's no end to the challenge.
0: So you guys started Zello with three employees in probably some little office or a basement or a garage, very jobsian in, your, in your startup effort. And, um, y'all are, have like something like 150 employees now. That's crazy. How did you do that?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think at a certain point it, it just sort of happened, but what, one of the things to appreciate is that Jeff and I have been doing this for 25 years now. So slowly, but surely, we're definitely the, the tortoise, not the hare. Um, and I, I think the way it's happened over time is just steadily word of mouth, um, listening, trying to really trying to serve both student and educator needs as best we can. And, it's it's caught on, you know. I think any any new startup, its most dangerous phase is just getting product market fit. We were lucky out of the gate to have something that resonated with with students and with educators. Um, going way way back, we were we started out with CD-ROMs that had sound and video clips on them. This was stellar. People were blown away. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to hard to imagine that, but. Um, so anyway, we had something that, that caught on from the beginning. And then from there, it was just really slow and steady growth, um, you know, both in Canada and the U.S., now in the U.K. So um, I, I don't think it was anything dramatic. Um, I don't think it was, you know, a brilliant moment of insight or a stroke of luck. Um, it was, you know, hard work, steady work, and um, just doing our best to, to see what we can do to, to make a difference. Um, one thing I can mention about the, uh, the success is that, to give you some perspective, um, we started around the same time Google started. <laughs> Arguably, someone has done better, <laughs> so puts puts it a little in, yeah. into perspective.
0: Uh, you
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what would you say about the the path we've been on? Yeah, it, it it really has been an incredible ride, and as Matt said. Um, You know, it has been slow and steady. We've been at it for a long, long time, and I think we never imagined that it would grow into an organization this big, and and we didn't really uh, imagine that we necessarily wanted that. But, um, you know, technology and education has evolved so much that the the schools really demand something pretty sophisticated at this point. As Matt said, we developed a CD-ROM program with three people, and, and that was manageable. But now you have, um, you know, data online, you have data privacy issues. We have, you know, we're translating the, the program into different languages, and we do tons of um, testing in the classroom with with students and with educators. Uh, you know, we write tons and tons of content. There's a lot that goes into to building quality programming for for education now. and you know it's it's not a job for three people anymore. So we're, we've been lucky that we've been able to grow over time.
1: This sounds like um, incredible and important work. Um, I'm wondering if we could uh, zero in a little bit on um, some of the services that you do provide uh, for the schools, the teachers and the students. Um, and thinking about like the context, like this year, um, what are some of the challenges um, students have faced over this past year when it comes to college and career readiness?
3: Sure. Yeah, I can jump in on that. uh, So many challenges. um, And and all of you being involved in education, I'm sure you can appreciate what it's been like. Many students have faced difficult personal circumstances. So they've had loved ones who are sick. Uh, They've had families that have had their income impacted, which could change their post-secondary plans. Uh, Educators have been, you know, maxed out this year, trying to keep students safe and also trying to minimize learning loss within the core curriculum. And so as important as we think current college readiness is, it can sometimes you know, get pushed aside when there are those more basic concerns to focus on. It, I you know, spoke with two educators today who talked about how everything changed with the college application process this year, not necessarily dramatic changes, but lots of small changes that really add up. Uh, you know, Student preferences were completely different this year because of the pandemic. Uh, you know, they changed what they're looking for from their post-secondary experience, more of a focus on staying closer to home, making sure that costs weren't too much. So it's, you know, just a very dynamic situation for for educators to stay on top of. And and I've heard some educators say that they think, you know, it may take 10 years for us to fully recover from what we've experienced over the past 14 months, which, which is really unbelievable to wrap your head around, but that, that may well be the case. One thing I would just say is I, I do see a bit of a silver lining. and I, I don't mean to make light in any way of the incredible difficulties, but I'm encouraged by a few things. And, uh, you know, one is I think there's been an increased appreciation for the importance of focusing on students' well-being. So there, there's more of a focus on social, emotional health and more of an appreciation for how a supportive adult relationship can really benefit students. And, I think there has also been a renewed appreciation for the value of career and college readiness, so you know students being disconnected from school in and out of school, I think that educators see the value of a career plan for students and making education relevant for those students and giving them something to focus on and work towards so I see some positive things coming out of it, but it's been a it's been a tough year
1: yeah i agree i I think um I know from my niece's perspective and my son's perspective, there's also been less opportunity to get out there and actually experience things. So you might wonder about things, but you know, less job opportunities for for young people to try some things out or um, just imagine uh, a different role for themselves. Uh, so it's been a, been a challenge, uh, practically speaking, as well. Um, absolutely. Uh, thinking of thinking about like uh, the teachers, um, how to support them. Um, I know uh, just looking through your website, it's it's actually amazing. Um, some of the things that I'm trying to do with my middle schoolers um, and have had to kind of do these homegrown kind of efforts. You've all nicely packaged it for us. I, I'm going to definitely check this out. Um, but. What are the questions um, after we've had this year? And I know all of education, every podcast I listen to is asking these kinds of questions. You know, what's next? What have we learned, as you've said? Um, What are we taking with us? And how can we shift into um, the coming school year uh, taking what we've learned with us? Um, So what kind of questions should education leaders, teachers be asking? right now to keep them on track for when we emerge from this?
2: What, what I'm seeing right now, and, and I think is going to be really important for educators, is to take a pause, um, breathe, recharge, take care of yourself, uh, try to be inspired. I, I think it's been um, something that has been tremendously draining just this entire year, um, just dealing with with everything. Um, Someone was saying to me that, uh, I I don't know if I've got this right, but the superintendent of New York City schools, Chicago, LA uh, have all resigned. I I don't know if I've got that correct, but um, tremendously stressful for all educators and and leaders. So I I think one thing is that um, people have tried their best. They've done everything that they can to, you know, prevent learning loss, to support students. And I really feel like educators need to take the summer off as much as possible. Um, You know, in terms of what questions to ask for students, I think that, um, you know, they need that time off so that they can come back ready to listen, um, to have, you know, have space to have real conversations with students to try and figure out where they're at, to be able to listen and empathize and and react. Um, You know, the the curriculum isn't going to change, but... The environment has changed, um, you know, I, I think for years people talked about remote learning and, and it was very difficult to prove its value um, with different studies that were conducted. And so it never really became something that was fully viable or seen as something that could be scaled. And <clears throat> now we've gone through this massive experiment where um, there's pros and cons for sure, but it, but it can be done. So I think that will be really interesting to see see where that goes. Um, but anyway, that, that's a little bit of, of what I'm seeing. Um, it's been, I mean, I, I say to people, you know, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company and, um, kind of what I've had to deal with compared to what educators have had to deal with. It's like a one out of a 10, um, much less stressful, um, and, and much less exhausting. So my hat is off to the educators, and um, I think we got to take the summer off and, and come back ready for the fall.
1: That is amazing advice. None of us here is going to argue with you at all. Um, and I think I would might I might even extend that to the students when they feel that panic rising. Um, you know, I didn't get the internship. I, I didn't get what I was hoping for. Um, I don't have that experience, or I just don't know where I'm going. Like there's nothing that can't be experienced next year, you know. It's 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 going to be okay. Uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate uh, that wisdom you just shared, uh, Janine. What questions do you have for Jeff and Matt? I
4: was going to say, you know, I think that Zello would be a great product for to help relieve some of the stress on teachers, especially in Pennsylvania. Because I don't know how it is in other states, but in Pennsylvania, uh, it's become state law that we have to have PA career. And college readiness uh built into our curriculum, standards built into our curriculum, and we have to demonstrate that we that our students in fact are preparing for you know some kind of career path uh you know our students have to have portfolios and we have to provide evidence you know if the state were to come and audit us um so I think having Zello would certainly probably help with this, <laughs> so Julie and I definitely need to look into it <clears throat> for sure. <laughs> But uh, no, I was one of my questions, though, was, um, you know, in thinking about and we I see this in the classroom, especially this this year in particular, you know, there's always those few students who just lack the motivation. Like they just they just can't even picture a future. They just don't care. They just they just want to they do want to get out of school. They just don't even want to be there. Um, you know, and I'm wondering how Zello maybe is helping educators to kind of keep students motivated and to really think about their future, because I think I know I've, I have struggled with that myself.
3: Yeah, it's absolutely a great question. And, you know, I think, I think it is, it is absolutely possible. And, you know, as Matt said, we've, you know, we've learned during the pandemic that online education can really work. and, And obviously, that's, The space that we're in is providing an online resource. And so, you know, we have seen lots and lots of districts be very successful at keeping students motivated and ensuring that they're continuing to work on planning their future. So it it really can work. And I know it's not the same for all districts. There's lots of different circumstances, and, and you know, very empathetic to that. And we have to be realistic about what can be done. But, um, you know, I think we're seeing school districts recognize that career development can be that thread that continues throughout students' education that helps give them a sense of direction. And that's really a flip from the not-too-distant past when it was kind of seen as a nice-to-have but not really core to education. And so I think there is this growing sense of appreciation for the value of what career development can do in terms of motivating students today and giving them a direction for the future. And, you know, so for districts that that are committed to making that happen, you know, we believe that that they can really do it with a program like Zello. And, you know, we've also learned um, about the kind of features and functions and the kind of support that's really required to make that successful. You really start to see what people zero in on. Um, during these times, and so some of the things that really became critical, obviously, were device compatibility. So making sure that students can use all aspects of the program on, you know, phones, on tablets, on laptops, on desktops, needs to work on all devices. Uh, We found districts really leaning on our interactive built-in lessons because that was just really plug-and-play for them and they didn't have necessarily the time that they would normally have to facilitate a lesson in the classroom in more of a blended learning environment. They had to lean on the technology uh, to to have students do it in a more self-directed way. So that was really a critical component of the program. And the other thing, the kind of two connected things were just the visibility of the assignments for students, being really clear on the dashboard about what students were expected to complete you know, some of them knowing what they had to do would race through and get things done early. And at least all the students had that kind of clarity about what they needed to do to stay on track in terms of career planning. And then we really found educators leaning on the communication tools, Um, you know, when I'm sure you probably find this in your own experiences when you don't have that reliable classroom time with students, you need to find other ways to communicate with them and perhaps over communicate to, to keep them engaged. So th- these are some of the things that we've, I guess, learned over the past 14 months.
4: Yeah, that's great. I was wondering, too, um, you know, when I think about these students, so we had K through 12, K through 12, and then even heading into college and stuff, you know, like almost, yeah, how do you, how do they progress through, or where do we start? Where do we start with, um, you know, instituting this idea of college and career readiness? And then and then how does it kind of progress? I don't know if you're able to kind of speak to that a little bit and how, how Zello kind of helps. Like, where does, How young does Zello start at and how far does it go? Um, and does it kind of approach students at different grade levels in a different manner, I guess is my question.
2: Yeah, let me, let me take a shot at answering that. Um, so Zello is a K-12 program, um, which can sound kind of weird to some people. Like, what do you mean you're doing? you're having them pick careers when they're in grade two? This is crazy. Um, so it's not, it's not really that, um, basically what the research shows is that the best, um, way to incorporate career development is to do it, uh, not, not overdo it in a particular grade level, but to do a a small amount each year and to sort of integrate it as best as possible into the curriculum. And that has, that has been shown to be, um, to have the best result, which which kind of makes sense. Um, so coming back to, you know, an earlier question about, you know, how can we help students or what's the best way to take that motivated, student that unmotivated student and, and, and help them? And that's the question that really is at the core of, of what we're trying to do with Zello. Um, we have activities at every grade level in order to help them prepare, For the future to build skills and knowledge that they need to make decisions but ultimately all that work is for one purpose and that purpose is to help a student build a plan for the future it's not to force them to create a plan it's to get that switch to go off in that student's mind where they go from not having a plan and not having a goal and not having a hope for the future to I have an idea of where I want to go. And we have a video on our website which talks about this idea the switch going off. When a student, the student on Tuesday looks no different on Wednesday, but internally there could be a world of difference if that switch has gone off. And now they're saying, hey, that's something I want to study. I'm interested in that. Um, So we try to do that by incorporating all sorts of activities to get that switch to to flip it could be at any grade level you could have a plan in grade seven in grade eight grade nine you can't force a kid to have that switch turn um, but that's really what we're trying to do
3: I, I would just I would just say um, you know it's such a great question about you know thinking about this full k12 approach and it's it's um, for some people as Matt said a little bit of a surprise to be thinking that you would have students, Involving career development at such an early age and that that really is one of the biggest shifts that we've seen, let's say over the past 20 years. Traditionally, when you think about career development, you think about students taking an interest assessment. You think about them, you know, exploring colleges and picking a college, you think about them exploring careers. So that's kind of what comes to mind. But, you know, the reality is. To do career development well, you have to treat it as a discipline where students have to develop knowledge and competencies in a bunch of different areas to do it well. And so, for example, you know, a lot of the work that happens in the early ele- elementary years is helping students understand and identify um, their own attributes. You know, what kinds of things do they like? You know, what kinds of things are they maybe good at? Um, you know, when they're doing certain activities. Uh, At school, what skills are they developing when they're engaged in those activities? And so it's so important to start that early because these are things, if you don't practice them, they're really hard to do when all of a sudden you're faced with a critical decision like picking your pathway for high school or picking your post-secondary destination. If you haven't flexed that muscle or built that muscle along the way uh, and kind of figured out who you are, you're confronting really big decisions without having done the prep work. And so it, it really, really is important to start early. The other thing I would say too, just about starting early is research has shown that students based on their upbringing and based on their surroundings will start to channel themselves in certain career directions. They'll start to exclude certain options. They'll start to you know, focus on certain areas at a very young age. And obviously, we you know we don't want that to happen. We want students to end up in the place that's best for them, regardless of their their life experience, regardless of their background. We want to keep all their options open so they can make those choices. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to starting earlier, in, early, and taking this competency based approach to to career development.
4: Yeah, I love that. I know in our our own program, we um we at our school we try to get our students. To recognize that there's all sorts of different opportunities out there in the world, and um you know trying to get them to meet people that are in different career fields, and we bring in guest speakers whenever we can, and you know so I think the sooner that we expose them to to that kind of stuff and build those skill sets from an early age, I completely agree that we're we'll be better off you know setting them up for success, Sorry, Mike, what were you going to say? <laughs>
0: I was just gonna say that, Jeff, I love what you're talking about here because. You know, working as a college counselor now, I find that a lot of my work is building off of a program that we created in our high school that starts in ninth grade that is asking students, so what are some areas that you really find yourself motivated by in the world? What are some areas that you wake up and you want to do nothing but explore those areas for all of the spare time that you can possibly muster. And if you don't have any of those areas, that's okay too. Let's think about what those might be. And what you guys are suggesting is that, you know, if we can start those conversations even earlier, even earlier down into younger grades, we're really tapping into what young people are I guess practicing on a regular basis in terms of self-reflection and understanding really who they are and their potential areas of interest, and also understanding that those areas of interest change over time, right? Uh, your areas of interest when you're a third grader are likely not to be the same when you're in ninth grade, and that's okay. and embracing that is really part of your effort as a growing and thriving human being Um. With all of that in mind, I would love to know, and, I, and I've engaged in like a, a bunch of different, you know, demos of career platforms and interest inventories and like all this jazz, right? And I, w- I would love to know what you guys feel like are some of the elements that are really setting Zello apart from maybe some of the other um, typical platforms that that exist there in the world. Clearly y'all, clearly y'all are doing something right because, you know, the clients speak for themselves and the platform uh, engagement speaks for itself. So what's, what's that secret sauce? If you can tell us if it's proprietary, I totally understand. We can, you know, it's totally fine, but I'm curious if you can just give us a little snippet.
2: Sure. Thanks. Great, great opportunity for us to talk about Zella. <laughs>
0: um,
2: yeah. So I think it's interesting to just know a little bit about how Zello came to be uh, and why, and that'll give you some insight into um, what it is that is different about Zello. So Jeff and I, as we mentioned, started you know 25 years ago, but it was really only about six or seven years ago that we said, you know what, um, what we've built, it's a good program. Um, it does a lot of things. It helps a lot of students, but really isn't making the kind of difference that we wanted to to make and when we looked at ourselves in the mirror and we took a really close look at the program we said it's not good enough it's not engaging enough the user experience is not at a level that will really cause students to come back and and find value Um, so we decided to start again and we scrapped everything that we had and we we built a brand new program Uh, we built it differently we built it with um you know the best designers we could find the best researchers Um, we started by speaking with students and educators to find out, you know, what is really in their head. Let's not just try and imagine and and predict what we think they want to do, but let's find out, you know, how can we really help and how can we build a better program? So it was very much a blank slate um, coming at it with empathy and, and being humble. And we created something vastly different from what we had before. Uh, and a quality of user experience that, you know, we feel that both on the student and educator side, it's something that kids want to use. It's something that educators want to use. So, so that was really important. Um, so I think at, at first glance, you know, you look at and like, wow, that yeah, that, that looks really cool. Um, but there's more to it. So one of the things that we, we learned when we started talking to students was that they knew absolutely nothing about the real world we had a question in our program that asked students um this this was for 15 years we had this in the program where it said what level of education are you planning to complete high school two-year college four-year college when we started talking to students we said you know what do you think how would you answer this question um what we found out was that none of them knew the difference between a two-year and a four-year college you know so so basic and so as we started to probe, like what about career demand? How do you use that to pick a career? What's career demand? Have you ever thought about an apprenticeship? What's an apprenticeship? Um, So we realized that it's really unfair to have them try and use Zello to build a plan for the future when they don't really know anything about the real world. Um, So big investment for Zello was creating really engaging lessons that would teach them the skills and knowledge that they need in order to build their plan. Um, so built in for, for Zello, we have four lessons for every grade level. And they've all been developed, you know, co-de- co-developed with students, tested with students to make sure that they're engaging. Um, so that is a huge differentiator. And, and we can see when students are using Zello, um, if they're doing a lesson, they, they stay on for quite a bit longer in terms of their engagement. So we do believe the lessons are really engaging. Um, The last thing that I would say um, that we've also discovered is that, of course, we're really proud of our program. We think it makes a big difference. But what we also know from the research is that the value of the program um, in terms of solving this problem, it can probably only do about 50 percent of it. The other 50 percent has to come from how it's implemented in the classroom. Um, Wisconsin, where we have a statewide um, license, they Looked at six different districts. They look at all of them were implement, implementing lessons, the Zello lessons, but they found that if you just put students in front of the screen and have them do the lessons, it felt like work to the kids. If you did a pre and post activity where you had a discussion, where they could you know share their thoughts, reflect on them, and be you know led by by an educator, the value of lessons went through the roof. So. Um, Zello on its own as a program, you know, great student experience, great lessons. But what I spent my last year is working with districts to figure out how do we make time to have those conversations, those in-class conversations, Um, because that's, you know, students need to tell their story. They need to be heard. Um, And, you know, that's, that's a big part of it.
0: So what you're saying basically is that Zello, the platform, is one thing. But the true special sauce of Zello is in your advocacy work with schools to say we need to center career and, you know, interest exploration as a significant part of curricula within the entire state of Wisconsin or, you know, wherever else you guys are really promoting it. because. That's what's that's what's getting students hooked. That's what's getting students thinking is the centering of that effort and then the you know ongoing work of teachers, right? To continue to promote that as being important, have those conversations and the platform is really cool and really great, but it really is those relationships and those conversations that are really Pushing what your what your goals are forward, a
2: hundred a hundred percent. And it, you know, if you're if you're trying to sell a software program to a school district, I think we were we were trying to create something that was just completely turnkey. You don't have to do anything. You just need to turn it on. It will do everything. And that's not true. And so you know, now what I see needs to happen in a district or school to be successful is not a capital T transformation. It's a mini transformation, but nonetheless, it, it can't happen without some work. Um, and, you know, figuring out, as you said, like how to integrate it into um, everyday school life. That's I, I just feel is really necessary. But I, I do understand that it's hard because everyone is so busy. They've already got a ton of, ton of things that they're responsible for. Um, so it's just trying to fight for airtime and, and, you know, have it as a priority for the school or the district.
5: I want you guys to uh, reflect with me for a minute, right? You mentioned that CD-ROM earlier. I wanted to jump in and ask this question, but the conversation s- sort of sped away from me. Uh, so I wasn't able to. CD-ROM?
0: CD-ROM. Wait, what's, this, what, what's, <laughs> a CD, what's, what's a CD-ROM? That's, uh, or, no, that's what I'm trying to figure out.
5: So if you take that CD-ROM that you had that sort of was wowing people, right? And it sort of opened people's eyes and like, oh, this is, this is doing things differently. So I want us to come to today with Zello and what you guys are offering. What's that CD-ROM feature in your product today that you feel sort of opens up people's eyes and gets them to pay attention like the CD-ROM did uh, back in the day? What do you think? Yeah,
3: really good question. And if you're trying to make us feel well, you're you're successful, it worked. Um, I know it was a long time ago. Um, and if you do if you do a Google search, you might be able to see a picture of a CD ROM. So, you know, so at that time, at that time it was actually quite exciting because CD ROM technology allowed you to incorporate sound and video and, and a graphical interface and just you know create something that was interesting and engaging for students. And you know, a lot of those values we carry forward into into our product today. I, I would say, you know, like some of the differentiators and, and some of the things that are are exciting today would be, um, you know, to be able to have this full K-12 approach where there's age appropriate learning at every grade level. You know, it was very much a one size fits all kind of experience in the past. And so, you know, to have this richer product that can provide suitable material that really engages students at each grade, I think is, is a really big step forward. And we, we've also talked a, a bit in this discussion about, you know, a built-in curriculum I, I think that is also just really a game changer, a more modern game changer. Um, you know, the equivalent of the multimedia, I guess, in the CD-ROM back then. So I think that that is really, um, you know, a, a massive step forward. The, the other thing I would mention that, you know, it's not necessarily cutting edge, but that really changed along the way was uh, in the early days, certainly of a CD-ROM or even the early internet, career exploration tools really featured some kind of an assessment, um, career information, post-secondary planning information, and then maybe some tools for saving content. And over the years, these tools have started to incorporate really critical education workflows. So for example, um, course planning and selection. So while you're thinking about your career, you are working with um, an integrated set of courses that your district provides so that you can make an appropriate course plan to fit with your um, your career goals. And all of that course information can be exported into the student information system to simplify the workflow for the district. So tools like that that are, are really, really powerful and become workflow tools for the district. Similarly, um, for the college going process, so integrating electronic transcript transfer, um, and tools like that that support educator and counselor workflows. You know, th- those are that's that's not one thing that's a bunch of things I know, but those are some of the things that have really changed over the years.
5: Yeah, that's great and that sort of highlights something that you were just talking about, right? It's your processes that went into that CD-ROM, it's your processes that are going into your program today to to sort of transform it, keep it progressive, keep it interactive, engaging and doing, you know, all of the things that it can possibly do. And that's probably gonna look different in five years, but I really appreciate your perspective and your view of things.
0: All right guys, so one thing that I'm thinking of that might be able to highlight exactly what Zello is doing and maybe like its potential would be for either one of you to give us some super specific, as specific as you can possibly make them examples of ways that you are helping or Zello is helping really make a difference in either a school or district or with a group of students. I'll pass the mic on to whoever wants to speak on this first.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about the way the program is used is, you know, we have to prioritize what's important for the district. You know, if you want to get that buy-in, you have to think, what's the most important problem that you have to solve around career development? So, I mean, to your question, to get really specific, You know, there's two scenarios that kind of come to mind. One is where, um, you know, you talked about it, someone mentioned in Pennsylvania. So those situations where a state has a mandate, they have a clear vision around career development in terms of what students should be doing at each grade level. And, And a lot of those policy documents, if you've read them, are really inspirational. The vision is fantastic. And, you know, the challenge though is like, how do you make that work in the classroom? Like, how do you take that vision in terms of what the state would like to see happen and turn that into engaging activities for students in each grade, and then how do you track that? And so in states like Pennsylvania, like Washington, and others who have that kind of mandate, you know, our job is to say, okay, let's look at what the state is asking you for it's the these are the requirements in grade 9 and grade 10 etc okay so here are exactly the things that you're going to you're going to have your students do in Zello. we're going to map that out for you and so when it comes to um learning that activity they're going to learn it in a really substantial way because we've created a user experience that is is rich and they're going to really learn that concept whether it's financial literacy or whether it's um you know learning about your personality style or your learning style whatever that is we're going to assign that to students in those grades, and then at the end of the day, we're going to help you get the data out of the system so you can send it to the state in the format that they want. So that that is a, you know, fairly common situation. I'm trying to hope that's specific enough in terms of how people are using the program for that mandate compliance. And another one that has come up a bit more um, that we're pretty excited about during remote learning is this idea of. Uh, you know, we didn't design Zello this way, but uh, there are a lot of states that have a careers course in the curriculum, and so uh, often at the grade 10 level, where there's there's a full credit course, and you know that's dedicated to careers. So we, for a number of customers, have built almost a a course in a box, where we have brought in some of their activities, created assignments inside Zello that reflect those um, those those particular activities and then also sequence the, the Zello lessons appropriately to fit the course curriculum. And so we have a number of districts now that are pretty much delivering that whole course um, inside of Zello. So that's that's another kind of more interesting use case.
5: Yeah, thanks for sharing those examples. It's exciting to, see, uh, to hear those examples and to see you also being willing to personalize the experience uh, for the district. So our listeners are listening. They're excited about what you're doing. How can they learn more about you and the work that Zello is doing? I would
2: direct them to zello.world. It's uh, everything you need to know is there. Uh, I think it's pretty well laid out. Um, Check out the video that's on the homepage. Um, There's a way to contact us uh, if you want more information. Um, If you sort of want to know the ins and outs of the program, if you go to the resources section, tons of videos, you can see the experience for a grade two student, a grade five student um, an educator experience. Um, so yeah, really everything that you need is, is online. You can, uh, you check it out and, and see what, what, uh, all the different features are and, and what we deliver and get a really good sense for, for what Zello is all about.
0: Hey everyone, this is Mike. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and our conversation with the guys from Zello. The education technology field has certainly upended education in general over the last 20 to 30 years, and Zillow's doing something really new and really cool. If you loved this conversation and you loved our DIP series, which we just finished up in our last episode... Please hop on over to patreon.com slash RethinkingEDU and support us at the $1 a month level. You might not think $1 makes a big difference, but for our little podcast, it really, really helps. And if you really love this episode, please share it with your friends. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those things can really boost our listenership, which is what we're trying to do. Amplify the voices and programs of people that are doing really amazing things in education. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check out our own Matt Downing's Diving Deep EDU. A
5: quick interruption to let you know about another great podcast. Curious conversations with all types of peeps. Encouraging innovation, we are diving deep. Certainly education is what we like to speak. Fervent with dedication, now it is time to teach. Yeah. Diving Deep EDU, thought-provoking conversations.
0: That's awesome. Thanks, Matt. And Jeff, thanks for your reflections here, too. And listeners, if you're wondering, we'll drop that link in our show description. That's X-E-L-L-O dot world. Um, And Jeff, Matt, every time we have a conversation here on Rethinking EDU, we have a little wrap-up reflection. We take a little time to kind of break down what's going on in our own brains and what this conversation is making us rethink about education. You guys are welcome to chime in. We'd love to hear your reflections. But Matt Downing, let's hear what you're thinking. What is this conversation making you, you know, reimagine or rethink about education?
5: Yeah, this has been great. You know, having this conversation, interacting, and and trying to rethink the ways uh, it applies. So yeah, two words are coming to my mind, sort of like thoughtful guidance. Um, so we can have guidance, but guidance oftentimes maybe can be counterintuitive if it's not thoughtful, if it's not caring, if it's not personalized, right? It's this like sort of uh, sterile movement in in one direction or another. Um, And I've seen that, you know, and I've personally experienced that as well. But uh, it seems like what we're talking about tonight is is something different. It's a thoughtful construction, you know, starting young, moving on. It's a thoughtful tailoring um, to students' needs and districts' needs, and it's to guide them. Uh, for the future. Um, so yeah, those are thoughts going on in my head and, and trying to apply that to my, you know, to my
0: context. That's great, Matt. What about you, Janine? What are you thinking?
4: Uh, I'm going to go back to just this idea of how really, you know, we need to start at a young age. With, we need to start with the younger students and getting them to, not only is it, is it thinking about, you know, all these different career opportunities that there are out there but building the skill sets for like just coming into a world that is so volatile that you know it's it, what kind of skills are you going to end up needing to really just be in the 21st century here um i think before we have talked about you know being able to think critically being able to collaborate being able to problem solve um you know those are the kind of things, being able to communicate, be, those are the things that it doesn't matter what job you end up having. Um, if you have those kind of skill sets, that will end up taking you far. And I think that we have to start with that kind of stuff at the, at the early, early ages, pre-K, kindergarten, bring it on. They should be exploring. They should be testing things out. They should be solving problems. Um, and I think that that it, it's got to build upon that so that by the time that they get to high school, college, it doesn't seem so daunting and, and you know, we're not left just, you know, wondering what's actually out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Janine, what about you, Julie?
1: Uh, I think something that's been learning um, through my mind ever since you said, um, I can't remember who said it, Jeff or Matt, but uh, someone said, you know, well, do you want to go to a two-year college or a four-year college, you know, and no one knows the difference between them. I think the starting point in a lot of the materials that I've tried to curate for my own classroom Um, miss that starting point. Um, So I just love this idea that it's student driven, that you start where the students are. And this whole idea that you support the teacher in supporting the students um, in that journey. And that doesn't have to be um, one track, like a college bound track. Um, I can see in your materials that you have your eye on all kinds of different learning experiences for for the students as they find their way. So I just appreciate the conversation. Um, Definitely uh, looking at how I can maybe bring some of these ideas to my own students and checking out your program, obviously. (laughs) Something should be easier next year is the other big takeaway I have. So thank you for that.
0: Couldn't agree more, Julie. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. Matt, uh, our guest, Matt, I'd love to hear from you if you would like to share your reflections.
2: Yeah, a couple thoughts. Um, one, I feel like, you know, through the conversation, you know, both Jeff and I were able to articulate what it is that we do at Zello, why we do it, what we're trying to do, how we're working with educators. And um, I, I guess what I'm really encouraged by and, and um, really happy is that it feels like what we've been talking about um, has resonated with with the group, um, it that you feel like we're we're on the right track, that this this makes sense, is needed. Um, so that I, I guess I'm just encouraged to keep doing what we're doing. So I mean, you know, it could have been that, hey, well, what about this, or what, what have you got? Why are you doing this? Um, so I am very encouraged. Um, one of the questions as well asked earlier was, you know, what is it that what what feature in Zello is it that that students really connect with or really draws them in. Um, I'll be honest, I think there's more to do. Um, I do feel like we have an amazing student experience. Um, we have these great lessons, but I think we need to do even more to really hook them. So I think in a way that's that's still a challenge. Um, I don't wanna in any way take away from what Zello is, um, but. I think we're passionate about always taking it to the next level. So we have what we have today, but two years from now, we can have something even better. So we're going to, we're going to keep trying to do that.
0: This is spoken like a true entrepreneur, Matt, right? You're looking at your product. You're like, man, this thing is cool, but what if it was cooler? (laughs) It brings you to the next iteration. Um, Jeff, what do you, what are you thinking over there?
3: Yeah, really, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, It's a pleasure to talk to all of you. And I, I think, what I really enjoyed and took away from it is just, it's, it's great to hear your reflections and your questions. You know, we can get in our own career development echo chamber. It's kind of all we think about, and we've been doing it for a long time. So to be able to hear how all of you as, you know, educators, but not necessarily focused exclusively on career development all the time, think about our concepts and what we're trying to do and what we're talking about and kind of what resonates with, with all of you. Um, you know that that's what I take away from the conversation. It's uh, it's a great experience.
0: That's great, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, and and you know I think my reflection on this conversation is just around the necessity of having some really intentional vertical alignment in schools. And I read this this article by Tom Vander Ark a while ago in Getting Smart, and he talked about the necessity of making sure that students' experiences are spiraling and um you know consistent across grades as they move from you know grade K through whatever and he says that in in that article and in some of his research that there's not enough attention given to maybe like this movement between vertical grades and especially when you're switching different types of schools so when you're moving from elementary to middle to high school those transition points are really hard for students, and we have to make sure that we're aligning whatever we're doing in our grades also across those transition points in particular. And so I'm, I'm reminded in this conversation specifically how important it is to keep that momentum going, that when students are practicing and learning about these core um, mindsets and core interest areas that it's just important to keep revisiting those things and i don't remember if it was jeff or matt you mentioned sometimes there's maybe just like four lessons a year or one lesson a month but that little bit of extra attention that you know hour two hours three hours maybe a month of instruction in this area can really hope help open students minds encourage them to explore what's possible and really say, hmm, who am I, and and what do I, you know, potentially want to do and make a difference in the world while I'm doing it? I think all those questions are inherent to what you guys are doing, and really important, important features for us as true 21st century schools to tackle in in our efforts. So, Guests, I really appreciate you being here. I know Janine, Julie, and Matt, it's always a pleasure to have you all on board. Before we get out of here, let's uh, toss out some plugs. Jeff, you we're, we're going to um, plug your guys' website on our show notes, but I'd love to hear if you have anything you've been listening to, reading, eating, thinking about, your favorite food truck, anything you'd like to plug. Toss it out there, Jeff.
3: Oh, boy, put me on the spot. Yeah. Um... <laughs> What would I say, uh, <laughs> well, let me just say one thing about Zello is we we do have a new YouTube channel we're and we're posting a ton of valuable content there I think for for all educators. We're hosting roundtables and um and things like that that have been really valuable, uh, especially over the past fourteen months so i I would encourage people to to take a look at that. I know that's not something for my personal life, but that's hopefully helpful for people
0: uh, that's perfect, that's perfect. I love it. Matt, you want to plug something? I'm a reader. I
2: do enjoy um, lots of different, you know, fiction, nonfiction. But what I found interesting with a lot of nonfiction that I've been reading, whether it's philosophy um, or it could be, you know, neuroscience. And as I'm reading through these different books, how often they start talking about selecting a career as a real problem to be solved for people. Um, You know, Freud has comments on, you know, you should let your subconscious decide what your best career right? And then, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell with Blink, he, he talks about, you know, trusting your, you know, that, that split decision, um, but that's not really maybe the best thing for selecting a career. Um, so I, I find it really quite cool reading these really interesting books and how career development factors in. Um, I would say one, one of the ones, um, I'm trying to think what would be, most interesting. Um, There was one book by Stephen Johnson called um, Farsighted, and basically um, that's about how to build a decision model for um, looking at really complex decisions. And I found that quite interesting because if you think about what I was describing at the beginning, you as a student, as a 15-year-old trying to plan for this really, this future, which has a lot of potential changes, Um, you need to use a different kind of decision model than just, you know, pros and cons. So um, anyway, I I would say his was was quite useful for someone trying to figure this out. And it's been some of that thinking that we're putting into how to build a golden plan in Zello. Um, So, yeah, that was,
0: I guess that would be one. That's great. Thanks, Matt. Janine, what are you trying to plug this fine evening?
4: All right, you guys might laugh, but. Uh, I don't know if I told you this or not, but my, my dad started, he wants to have a little fun in his retirement. He um is.
0: Okay. He, okay. He,
4: he, just, he just, he really, he would love to come on the pot. He talks about, he just talks all the time. So, um. but yeah, he, he uh, has actually started his own uh, party rental business and he's got all sorts of, it's called blazes party rentals in PA. So if you're in Pennsylvania, especially if you're around, uh, you know, outside the Philadelphia area or in Montgomery County, um. Yeah, we got uh, blow-ups, like blow-up bounce houses and tables and tents, wedding tents, that kind of stuff. We have all sorts of signs, like anybody's graduating, we got, you know, 2021, congrats, all that stuff. Uh, carnival game site sort of thing. He's got, the blow- the, you know, watch uh, movies outside. He's got a popcorn maker. So, you know, anybody that wants to have a good time, give my dad a call. Blaze Party Rentals. There you go. <laughs>
0: Uh, we'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, (laughs) Matt Downing, what do you want to plug?
5: It's going to be tough to follow that one. Um, but I've been, uh, sort of, I'm a recovering math, uh, student, right? I I never really connected with math too well in school. So anyway, I've been sort of going back and, and sort of rethinking ways to approach math and, and differently, um, so looking at like puzzles and, and things like that. Anyway, I've been out on a website, bovinemath.com, and it's great. It sort of in- encourages you to engage with math problems as a puzzle, um, so you learn about all these things without actually learning all the algorithms. Um, so it's it's interesting. Like
0: bovine... Math appropriate for the cow sort of uh, math, or
5: well, Mike, that's really uh, interesting. You picked up on that. So he he creates these puzzles out of cows. <laughs> it's it's really not that engaging, like the cows. It's sort of basic. Uh, this is an old uh, website, but the ideas are really cool. Um, it's like all about puzzle math.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we'll drop that link in our show notes as well, <laughs> along with famous blazes party rentals the newest (laughs) hottest startup in um montgomery county pennsylvania here uh listen matt and jeff we um we really appreciate your time here on rethinking edu Listeners, we really appreciate you tuning in and hearing our conversation with Matt and Jeff, and we hope that you check them out. We hope that you continue to support our podcast at patreon.com rethinkingedu and keep tuning in. We're sure to have more episodes in the future that will, um, you know, tantalize your education senses. And as always, keep rethinking edu in your spare time.